to your pastor and first lady, we say thank you for this privilege, for allowing us to come. Here's what, here's what I know. I think I've shared this with this congregation before, but you never invite a preacher who's a better preacher than you are. Think about it for a moment. Because you want your congregation to be happy, you're back next Sunday. But, Pastor, I am humbled and I appreciate your friendship and this opportunity. If you have a Bible, I want you to go with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 4. 1 Peter, chapter 4. If you find the New Testament, you'll see a pretty big section dedicated to Hebrews and a couple of pages to James and then 1 Peter. The fourth chapter, and I want to jump in at verse number 12. This morning, I want to share with you on this topic, what to do when your faith is on trial. We live in unique times. We're going to unpack some of that in just a few moments, but never before has there been a day like today. But even in the in the throes of what is taking place, we are still a blessed people. Nobody stood at the door this morning to check our ID. There's no secret agent driving through the parking lot writing down license plates number numbers. We have come to worship in freedom. But even in that freedom, There are attacks against faith, against faith-based organizations, and against the body of believers known as Christianity. It's not new. It's been around for quite a while. And Peter writes his epistle to address some of those things. I want to jump in here at verse 12, and I'm just going to give you a statement of apology. I left my reading glasses at home. I asked Wanda for hers, and she passed them to me, and they were leopard print. And I just passed them back. I I was wise enough to use a good-sized font, so I think I'm going to be okay. 1 Peter chapter 4, let's jump in at verse number 12. Let's, would you just read this together with me? I, I believe there's power in the Word of God. So let's, let's just read together. Beginning verse 12, we're going to go all the way down through the 19th verse. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in, notice this, we partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 
on their part, he is blasphemed. But on your part, hallelujah, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Peter writes these words to Christians who are scattered and who are being persecuted. Harold Wilmington, in one of his books, a book of Bible lists, provides 25 reasons why we as Christians suffer. I'm going I'm to read through this list real quick here. And notice the purpose of our sufferings. To produce the fruit of patience. To produce the, fu- the fruit of joy. To produce the fruit of maturity. To produce the fruit of righteousness. To silence the devil. To teach us. To purify our lives. To make us like Christ. To glorify God. To prevent us from sinning. To make us confess when we do sin. To chasten us for our sin. To prove our sonship. To reveal ourselves to ourselves. To help our prayer life. To become an example to others. To qualify us as counselors. To further the gospel witness. To make us more than conquerors. To give us insight into God's nature. To drive us closer to God. To prepare us for greater ministry. To provide for us a reward. To prepare for us a kingdom. To show us God's sovereignty. So as we suffer, remember there is a purpose. There is a reason for the suffering that we encounter. And really, when when you boil the matter down, there are three types of suffering. Now, these are not my three points. I'm, I'm just laying the foundation right now, so don't get excited. But there are three types of suffering that we will encounter. And, and as I go through these, realize this, that more than likely, at all points in our life, we're in one of these, if not more of these, stages. First of all, common 
suffering. Common suffering happens to us just because we are human beings. We, we, are, we are human and in our humanity we will suffer. Things are going to go wrong. We will leave our reading glasses at home. You may walk out of here and go to your car and your tire may be flat. It happens. Common suffering, it's called common because it's prevalent. It occurs in all of our lives. I'm somewhat ashamed to admit it, but I'm a fan of the Red Sc- football uh, Commanders. I suffer. Okay? And the mantra is there's always next year. But common suffering happens to us all. Then there's carnal suffering. Now carnal suffering, different from common suffering, because carnal suffering we bring on ourselves based upon the choices and the decisions that we make. You see, we will suffer if we make bad decisions. You ever remember your parents telling you there are consequences to your choices? I love fried flounder. If I ate fried flounder seven days a week, there would be some consequences. There would be some carnal suffering that would take place. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man, what? Reaps what he sows. So, common suffering is going to happen just because we are human. Carnal suffering will come because of the choices that we make. And then, get this one, there is Christian suffering. Christian suffering is what we experience when we do good and it is against those that are around us. It's the suffering you endure because you identify as a believer. And I say that with intentionality. I am a believer. That's who I am. I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sin. I believe that he ascended back to the Father and that today he is making intercession for me. I believe Jesus is coming back for a church that is ready and prepared. I will stand on that proclamation. But in this world today, there will be those who will bring suffering into our life as a result of our proclamation of faith. Suffering will come. If you don't think it's true, just rewind through your own mind and I I would venture to say there's probably been an occasion in recent occurrence in your life where you could have stood up and said something that was righteous but you chose to keep quiet because you knew if you were bold you knew if you took that stand somebody was going to ridicule you somebody was going to 
Let's talk about the holy roller, the do-good. And so instead of being bold, we shy away from our faith. You see, in this text today, Peter shows us four things, and now you can, can start the countdown. There are going to be four things that I'm going to share with you today. Four things, and, and really they're quite simple when we go through them. You'll be able to, to identify them straight from the text that we read. I'm, I'm doing nothing this morning other than telling you what the Word of God says. So first of all, number one, realize that suffering is bound to happen. It's going to happen in your life. Look at verse number 12. Beloved, do not think it strange. Now that's, that's not verbiage, that's not terminology that most of us would use. If, if I were to give you a modern day paraphrase of this, I would say something like, don't consider it unusual when the fiery trials come upon you. It's going to happen. Realize it. It's going to happen. Trials are common in life. In, in a companion passage to 1 Peter chapter 4, James, in his writing, talks about suffering. I told you earlier, if you found Hebrews, then James, then 1 Peter, there is a lot of parallel between James' writing and Peter's writing. James puts it this way in chapter 1, beginning at verse number 2. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, notice what he said, whenever it comes, not if it comes, not it may come, whenever it comes, what? Let it be an opportunity for joy. For your faith is tested, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Don't think it's strange. Consider it joy when trials come. Now, now that's not a natural response. I'm human. When trials come, it tends to make me angry, Sister B. Realize they're going to come. And James says, approach it with joy. It's an Why is it an opportunity for joy? Because it's an opportunity to prove that God is God. Hallelujah. We can't overcome the trials. We can't do it alone. But God is faithful. When we face a trial, when we face suffering in our life, we often say, I can't believe this is happening. But God looks up and says, I'm just trying to increase your faith. I'm just trying to help you grow. I'm just trying to increase your endurance. Realize that struggles and trials are going to come. Jesus was very realistic about this. This, he was very honest. He said this, you need to consider the consequences of commitment to me. He said, you're going to have to take up a cross. He said, you're, you're going to have to follow me. 
If you're here this morning and you haven't made a commitment to Jesus, I want to tell you something. I hope you do make that commitment, but just making the commitment will not free you from trials and temptations. Making the commitment only guarantees that you have a helpmate, hallelujah, who will come along beside you during the trial and will see you through it. God is able to do just that. Jesus said, if you follow me, people are going to get upset with you. If you follow me, folks are going to ridicule you. If you follow me, you're going to have to change your lifestyle. If you follow me, you're going to be put in situations where you will have to take a stand. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, Remember how I told you that servants are not greater than their master? So if people mistreat me, they will mistreat you. That's what Jesus said. You say, well, you know, they, they, did they mistreat? Well, yeah, they crucified him. Did you ever realize that Jesus in his persecution was paving a pathway that we might be able to walk in and say, you know what? He went through it more in a deeper sense than I did. He suffered more. We may think our suffering is large. We may think our suffering is huge. But remember this, when we suffer, we will never reach the level of suffering that Jesus himself reached. And he did it for us. He did it on our behalf. You see, there's a, there's a myth associated with Christianity. And that myth says, everything will be right in my life if I just follow God. Here's what I know. My life's dedicated to God, but I still got problems. My life is dedicated to following Christ, but I still am going to encounter trials. Realize it. They're going to come. Don't be surprised when they do come. Realize that suffering is bound to happen. Paul, in writing to Timothy, said... Don't forget, Timothy, that everybody who gives their life to the call is going to be persecuted. So realize they're going to happen. Secondly, now this is the tough one for us, rejoice when it does happen. That's an inhuman response. That is a choice we have to make. Oh, hallelujah, I got a flat tire. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord, the, the hose to the washing machine bursted while we were at church. That's not our typical response. Smash our foot to the we. I maybe that's just me. Maybe you're righteous enough to rejoice. But God's word says rejoice when it does happen. Why do we rejoice? Reflect back on what Harold Wilmington's list said because there's a purpose to it. God doesn't just bring things into our life. To watch us suffer. 
He brings things into our life to watch us grow and mature and become more dedicated to Him and His call. Look at verse number 13. The New Living Translation of 1 Peter 4.13 says this, Instead, be very glad because these trials will make you partners with Christ in His sufferings. And afterward, look at your neighbor and say afterward. Afterward, you will have the wonderful joy of sharing His glory when it is displayed to all the world. Remember, James said, consider it all joy when you fall into these diverse trials. Rejoice when trials come. Rejoice has to be a choice because we understand this trial has a purpose. This try, there's a reason behind this. As we read through the text, you saw Peter develop this thought on endurance that we have to be able to overcome. We have to be able to extend ourselves. We have to do things with intentionality. When we suffer through the trial, what we are doing is we are proving the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. We are proving that he who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, is faithful to his word. We are proving that he said, I am with you all. Always, even to the end of the earth. Yes, we will suffer, but our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far greater weight of glory. Hallelujah unto the name of God. Rejoice when you have trials. Rejoice when you have difficulties. It has to be a choice. It will be a cognizant recognition of your mind that you know what? I may be in the darkest of trial right now, but there's still a light that shines above and the light of the word of God will illuminate a path before me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is with us so we can rejoice. Yes, we will face difficulty. Yes, we will have trials and tribulations, but God will never leave us. Hallelujah to his name. So we rejoice. Even in the midst of the trial, why should we rejoice? Well, I'm glad you asked. We can rejoice because trials enable us to enter into a closer relationship or partnership with God. You see, when we face that trial, it is obvious to us, I can't do this by myself, Pastor. When the, when, when the trial comes, we have to recognize there's a power that comes from God. It's not, I, I can't do it. I can't face it. I can't walk through this valley alone. I can't do this by myself. But my God, who is with me, will walk through this situation. We can enter into a closer partnership with God. We also should rejoice because we persevere. When we persevere through trials, there's the promise of a reward. It's tucked into the scripture that we were reading right there. There is coming something that is greater. Jesus in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, the specifics, the Beatitudes, he said this in verses 10, 11, and 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I told you we live in a day and a time where trials, persecutions, things that, that in my short lifetime I would have never imagined would have happened. But now they're at the forefront. One of our speakers at prayer conference on Friday morning was with an association known as the Alliance Defending Freedom. And specifically, they have an arm called the Church Alliance. And there is an army of lawyers, dedicated Christian lawyers, who have given themselves to stand up for the church so that we can have a bathroom for men and a bathroom for women, and men will use the men's and women will use the women's. Amen. Amen. I would have never imagined that we'd be facing things like that in this nation. And and I don't want to get on this soapbox too much. But who would imagine that a swimmer who was a male became a female and now is racing against females. And because he is made differently, and that's scriptural... He, he, is, he is able to outperform the women. I, it's black and white to me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe our, our culture is struggling with it, but it's pretty clear to me. And we can be consternated by all of these things. And... If I could just be bluntly honest with you, there are times I get aggravated. But then I remember that the word of God says rejoice. Rejoice when these situations come. Why should I rejoice? Well, remember, it's building my relationship with God. It's helping me persevere. It's helping me overcome. It's helping me to be able to tie my life more closely to Him. So I must rejoice. Now, now, now understand something. There is a difference between rejoice and enjoy. Don't confuse the two. Nobody enjoys the flat tire. Nobody enjoys the flooded basement, but we could rejoice. When when we rejoice, we are saying, you know what? It doesn't matter the circumstances because God is working in my life a far greater weight of glory. God is doing something that's making me into what he wants me to be. Without trials, without difficulties, we would never know whether or not our faith is truly genuine. That's why I told you, when you come to Christ, if you give your life to Him, don't expect it to be a bed of roses from there on out. 
You're going to have to prove your commitment. You're going to have to prove your, your, your desire to be with the Lord. See, tests are not strange when, for us to be involved in because we are going to be tested for our faith. How many folks have been to school? Come on, raise it. You, you went to some kind of school. Just raise every hand. All right? Let's think about elementary school for a moment. I remember in, in my day and time, and during elementary school, Friday was always spelling test day. I before you, except after C, and you know, the, the words, you'd get the list of words at the beginning of the week, and you study the words, but you were studying the words for a purpose, and the purpose was you knew there was going to be a test. You didn't think it's strange on Friday when the teacher got up and said, it's time for the spelling. You expected it, did you not? Right, let's move on in our educational experience. You, you, you get out of grade school, middle school, high school, you go to college. At the beginning of the semester, the professor gives you this document called a syllabus. And the syllabus describes every aspect of that course. Typically in the syllabus, they will also lay out the way things will be graded. There's going to be a midterm test, and that midterm test is 25% of your grade. There's going to be a final test, and that final test is... And, and so don't be surprised when those tests come. You knew they were going to happen. Now, very rarely when I was in elementary school did I wake up on Friday and say, Oh, praise the Lord, it's spelling test day. I can tell you that it's not been very often that I've said, oh, hallelujah, I get to take my midterm exam, uh, my midterm exam in homiletics. No, but I knew it was coming. And so I rejoice because I can be, full, I can be fully aware that God is with me even during that test. Now, that's, that's just a simple example, but in life, nobody gave, nobody gave us a syllabus and said, on this day, this is going to happen. But the Word of God says, into every life, there's going to be trials. There's going to be troubles. Man is but of a few days, and he is going to have to suffer. So don't think it's strange. Rejoice when those trials come. And then the third thing I would tell you, and here's... Here's what I alluded to in the introduction. Refuse to be ashamed. Stand up. Verses 15 and 16, 1 Peter chapter 4 from the New Living Translation. This is what this paraphrase says. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his wonderful name. You see, when the suffering that we face comes as a result of sinful behavior, we're not suffering for the glory of God. We're suffering because of our choices and consequences. But when our suffering comes 
because we are a Christian, count ourselves fortunate. Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, Paul said this, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Don't be intimidated by folks who say, oh, you're, you're just a, a Christian. You're, you're going to face things differently because you're a Christian. Yes, I am a Christian. And yes, the power of God is at work in me. So this is what I know. I am going to become a better follower of Christ because of the trials that I face. You can mock me. You can ridicule me. But I am safe and secure in the arms of my God. You can say what you want about me me because that is not going to affix who I am. I am the Lord's and he is mine and his banner over me is love. I am my beloved's hallelujah and he is mine. You see when we suffer just for being a Christian it is then that God takes special notice. I have a a t-shirt that I wear occasionally. And it's a black t-shirt with red letters that say, I am Pentecostal. Wanda doesn't like me to wear that shirt in public very much. Matter of fact, I think she hid the shirt from me for a while. But it... It came from the Pentecostal Theological Seminary. And, and it's, it is meant to get folks to ask questions. Now I'm going I'm to drive this nail down a little bit here. A lot of us don't mind being identified as Christian. But don't hang that label of Pentecostal on me. Because there's a whole lot more to explain you know it's true. Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. And I'm also Pentecostal. Because you know what the next question is. Well, you speak in tongues? You handle snakes? That's where the conversation's going. Yes, I do speak in tongues. I'm not ashamed of that. Not ashamed to be identified as a follower of Christ. I am His. I will not be ashamed. I refuse to be ashamed of who I am. You see, there are folks who are who, who are on maybe the fence, and they think I, maybe I'll follow God, maybe I'll, I'll become a believer, but but they are just not ready to take the weight of being labeled as a Christian. Because when you become a Christian, folks are going to, and you proclaim your Christianity, folks watch you. You know what? You can be a drunkard. Folks don't care how you act. They expect you to be drunk. Apply the same logic to a Christian. We should be Christian. We should act like Christians. 
Donald, you may have to clean this up. We have to dress like Christians. We have to talk like Christians. We have to respond like Christians. Why are some folks afraid? Because they're not living the life. And you might want to tuck your toes under the chair for just a moment. If you're ashamed to be identified as a Christian, you need to ask yourself why. Because maybe it's because your character doesn't line up with your profession. Don't be ashamed. Refuse to be ashamed. Do you realize that there are, there, there are folks in this, in, in this association of Christianity who would never think of cheating on their wife? But when they get around a group of men who start talking about all of their carousing, instead of saying, I love my wife and I'm completely dedicated to her, we just kind of step back and don't say anything. You see, in, in school, there are folks who talk about the number of partners they've had before marriage. And Christian, Christian young people should should step up and say, I'm saving myself for the one. But instead, it's easier just to be quiet. And saying nothing says a lot. I got to move on. I could, I could shake that branch for a while, but I, I must move on. Realize they're going to come. Rejoice when they do come. Refuse to be ashamed. And then fourthly and finally this morning, remain faithful to God. Verse 19, again from the New Living. If you are suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right and trust yourself to the God who made you. For he will never Fail you. Remain faithful. When, when we are faithful to God, God will be faithful to us. You know, th think about the author of this piece of Scripture. Peter would be martyred. He remained faithful. Stephen would be put to death violently, but he remained faithful. Unnamed Christians would be turned loose inside of the Colosseum in Rome as sport for spectators who would watch lions come. And literally devour them. I told you we're in a different place in our country, but we're not there. Thanks be unto God. There are places in this world where folks can't gather like this. 
and they're suffering. Brother Kenny Hancock, I, can, I think I can make this statement with the surety. We think sometimes we suffer, but we don't really know what suffering is for the cause of Christ. But this suffering that we are going through, whatever type it is, whether it's common suffering, carnal suffering, or Christian suffering, if we suffer, remember this, God will remain faithful. Why is God going to remain faithful? If you, if you get nothing else from this morning, write this down. Because God is more interested in your character than your comfort. You see, if God answered every prayer we ever prayed in the way we wanted to, we'd be nothing but spoiled brats. I don't have time to, to get into this, but when we, when we in maturity learn how to pray the will of the Father, we put aside our selfish desires, our prayers will change. But remember, God is going to be faithful. And so therefore, we should remain faithful to God. Tony, if you would come. If we remain faithful, God will be faithful. But I want to I interject this. God will remain faithful to us even when we are not faithful to Him. And He will lovingly put His arm back around us and say, Come on, child. Come on. I don't... I don't understand a lot of the situations that I face. I don't understand a lot of situations that people face. And, and just to be bluntly honest, I, I, I have quit trying to analyze why problems come. Because they're going to come. Remember point one? Realize they're going to come. Doesn't matter why, they're, they're going to come. But where we can make a difference is where point number two steps in and says rejoice. Rejoice because God is going to be with us. Where we can improve is to refuse to be ashamed. And where we can remain faithful to God. That's where the difference is. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. I said something in the introduction and I want to come back to it. I told you there are three types of suffering, common, carnal, and Christian. And I told you more than likely, every person in this room is in one of those situations if not more than one, right now. That suffering may not be immense, but it's suffering. So I'm going to ask you to, to remember God is with you. 
I asked Brother Tony to have a song prepared. Some of the lyrics to this song are this, simply, Jireh, he is more than enough. That he is, he's bigger, he's greater. Whatever suffering you're facing, remember this, God is bigger. Whatever trial you're in, remember God is greater. And what we must do is change our focus. If our focus is on the trial, turn your eyes to Jesus. Focus on Him. Because He will help you overcome. I want you to bow your heads this morning. Father, in this moment, speak to people. Speak to our hearts. Speak to me. Speak to my fellow brothers and sisters in this room. I pray right now that the Holy Ghost of Heaven would have His way in the remainder of this service. God, I entrust it to You. I believe that You will work. So do Your part now. If you would keep your head bowed this morning. I'm not asking you to raise your hand so I can see it. I am asking you to respond in faith to God. If you are here this morning and you would say, not to me, but you would say unto the Father, I'm in the middle of a suffering situation in my life, but I'm going to choose to rejoice. Would you lift up your hand? Amen. Amen. Keep it up. Keep it up. You're in the middle of a situation where you're suffering, but you by declaration, not to me, not to the one seated beside you, but to the Lord himself, you are saying, I am am going to trust in you, God, in this suffering. Amen. You may put your hands down. If you raised your hand just a moment ago, here's the second step. Remember, point three in the sermon said, refuse to be ashamed. I'm going to ask you to take a step. And that step is to come out of your seat and to come to this altar because your pastor and I, we want to pray for you. We want, to, we want to believe God with you this morning. Tony, sing. If, if you raised your hand and you would say, yes, in the middle of this suffering, I'm going to trust God I'll right now. I'll never be more loved than I am right now.